You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. A massive cleanup is underway all across the south coast after the strongest windstorm in almost a decade. Tens of thousands of people are still without power. Trees are down everywhere and our Global One chopper captured the gaping hole in the middle of White Rock's famous pier cut in half by the storm. The boats that bashed against it either on their sides or completely underwater. Jill Bennett is there with the latest on what will be a long reconstruction project. Jill? Well, the pier is closed until further notice, and there is debris still strewn all along the shoreline, both reminders of just how powerful that storm was. The mayor says he's never seen anything like that before. The images show the full force of the wind gusts, boats tossed into the pier, a 30-meter chunk of the structure ripped apart. People were in tears. It, it, it's a very special thing that White Rock has. It, it's, it's heartbreaking. Weber was back on the water Friday to check on his boat, which survived the storm. Many others didn't. We had a pretty devastating uh, event here. We've lost, looks like we've lost all our boats, but we'll, we'll come back. Okay, here we go. The storm sent people on the pier running for safety. Come on, Christina! At one point, having to navigate through several sailboat masts that had been tossed under the pier, partially blocking the way. Everyone made it to safety, except for one man stranded on the other side of the damage. He had to be airlifted from the pier by a helicopter sent from 442 Squadron in Comox, the pilot pulling off the perfect rescue in high winds. Stupid me wandered off to see uh, further, down, further, down. further down, and then next thing I know, I turned around and they were gone, and the pier was gone with them. While some boats sank, others were tossed onto the shoreline along with a huge amount of debris. The aftermath is drawing a crowd, even though city officials are asking people to stay away. Uh, there's ongoing work now uh, to secure boats down uh, on the pier, so that's part of that process as well. And as the assessments come up, that's where we'll be able to uh, it'll dictate our next steps of what needs to be done. Last night, the damage that was done to our pier appears to be something that's going to take some months for us to recoup from. We'll be working towards restoring that pier, and trust me, our pier will be restored. That rebuilding will take months and will likely cost millions. The city is also looking at the policy of closing the pier in the future when big storms are about to hit. It's also looking at the boats moored along the pier and if they should be allowed to stay beside that structure. Back to you. All right, thanks very much, Jill. And now to the damage from falling trees. Striking image from yesterday's storm, a tree crashing down onto a Vancouver home. Thankfully, no one was injured. Now, Global's Aaron MacArthur was there when it happened and back again today as crews tried to clear the debris on that block and in many other neighborhoods. A tree this size, so close to homes, doesn't come down all at once. It takes meticulous planning and patience. It's time homeowner John Walsh didn't think he was going to have. We kept checking on it. So, you know, I just kept poking my head out the window and I could see the, I could see the top of the brush still. So every time I looked at it, I was like, okay, well, we might be out of the woods now. Two trees came down on three houses along a stretch of 12th Avenue Thursday. A third tipped dangerously close to falling as well. 
all of this debris needs to be removed before the avenue will be open to traffic. Homeowners in the neighborhood say these trees have been an issue for years. Uh, I've seen uh, uh, half a tree come down on a house, uh, three houses down from me. Uh, that was last uh, winter. And then another time, uh, 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 one of those big branches came down and smashed a van down below. The damage was citywide. The south slope of Vancouver taking the brunt of southerly winds. On the west side, a home was severely damaged by another falling tree. Cars were crushed and power lines were severed. The city still trying to assess the damage. So we get a lot of calls. Uh, I think today and, and yesterday were just near about 100, just above 100 so far as far as calls go. And those are reported incidents by residents um, calling about broken branches to tree failures to trees on cars or homes or power lines, etc. The damage most severe along 12th. Two trees still standing will have to come down first before the two that fell can be cleared away. It could be well into the weekend before the major thoroughfare is open to traffic. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Vancouver Island was especially hard hit by the storm with one weather-related death and flooding, adding to a lot of other challenges. Residents of the city of Nanaimo are being told to preserve water or they might run out. Jennifer Palma explains why the storm is to blame. Tragedy in Duncan where a woman was killed after a tree fell on the tent she was in near the Trans-Canada Highway. It's the only known storm-related death. Five people were in the tent, two men were injured, one airlifted to hospital. Holy crow! And like a hurricane went through here. Every tree is broken. The storm cleared a path everywhere it went. Along Highway 4, the wind was so strong it ripped a roof off of a building carrying it across the road. Also in Port Alberni, falling trees creating power outages. And it literally pulled the wires down and knocked the transformer right off the pole there. The wind was powerful, but so was the rain flooding Port Alberni areas. Trees falling on homes and threatening lives. I was outside watching the big maple drop when this one came down, so I had to dive underneath over him. On top of everything else, we've got rising floodwaters. Uh, river forecast tells us the river will peak tomorrow. The road to Tofino was also treacherous, with trees stopping traffic. But it's on the other side of the island where residents are bracing for water shortages. <gasps> oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! The windstorm stirred up trouble at Nanaimo's water plant, forcing the city to plead with its residents to conserve water. The plant suffered a power failure and faulty equipment leading to the restriction on water usage. The water is safe to drink, but officials are considering using river water to boost levels. If that happens, a boil water advisory would be put in place. We're asking to curtail it. That will enable the reservoirs to maintain their levels, pre preserve it for firefighting, which is the critical issue here. There's no timeline as to when the water restrictions will be lifted. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A man is still in hospital with serious injuries after a tree fell on his truck during the height of the storm. It happened on, on uh, Old Dudney Trunk Road near the Pitt River Bridge. The truck went off the road and emergency crews had to use all of their tools to get him out of the crushed cab. Now, B.C. Hydro crews are still working around the clock, too. Hydro says that it's restored power to 465,000 customers so far. There are still about 115,000 in the dark. And as Jordan Armstrong reports, 
Adding to the difficulty is the number of people simply ignoring the dangers of downed power lines and other hazards. The warnings were clear. Southwest Marine Drive closed Thursday by downed wires. But as crews worked to make the area safe again, one driver had no patience. Off camera, he stopped in front of the danger tape, got out of his Jaguar, moved the traffic cones, and then did this. Flooring it past the tape and towards the firefighters. It's just mind-boggling, the, uh, the stupidity of people sometimes. I would love to say that I'm surprised, but I think we both know that this is a recurring problem. Indeed, BC Hydro says there was another incident during Thursday's storm. I'm aware of a situation on Vancouver Island yesterday where something similar, wires down, trees down, and people were driving over downed wires. Please don't do that. Stay 10 meters back. Common sense, right? But a closer look uncovered shocking results. A recent BC Hydro survey found that nearly 60% of people do not know to call 911 when they see a downed or damaged power line. And 35% of people incorrectly think that a downed line will emit smoke or make a buzzing noise. Even driving over in a vehicle could be potentially harmful. That concern not confined to power lines. Vancouver firefighters have lost several hoses in recent years to careless drivers. Why do you think, despite all the warnings, this keeps happening? Wow, I, I really wish I had a good answer for that. This driver got lucky. He wasn't hurt and there was no police officer to give him a ticket. Had he got one, the fine is just $121. But maybe that will change. And sometimes you've got to hit stupid in the back pocket uh, with a hefty fine. And it may be time when you see these kinds of situations to go, you know what? If the only thing you understand is, uh, is a hefty fine, then maybe that's what's going to be put in place. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Well, we'll check on the weekend forecast in a moment. But right now, a series of earthquakes that rattled Fort St. John last month were caused by fracking. That's the conclusion of a review by the B.C. Oil and Gas Commission. The three quakes measured from 3.4 to 4.5 magnitude and were felt by many people in the Fort St. John area, although there was no damage. A detailed analysis of the tremors shows they were the result of fluid injection at a well owned by Calgary-based Canadian Natural Resources Limited. Fracking has been suspended at that well, and experts will continue to assess and understand the known geologic faults in that area before fracking is allowed to continue at that well. To the other major story of the week now, B.C. voters' overwhelming rejection of proportional representation to elect provincial governments. The results of the province-wide referendum show it wasn't even close. More than 61% saying no to pro-rep. But those numbers really only scratched the surface of how lopsided this was. Keith Baldry is here to drill down a little bit further on the numbers. Keith. Yeah, Chris, this is actually quite a worse uh, defeat for the government than at first glance that those numbers would suggest. As you say, I took a deep dive into some of the findings and take a look at some of these uh, results, so not just on the popular vote. First of all, in terms of ridings, just four ridings outside of Vancouver City and Capital Region voted for PR. That's an astonishing low number. Also, critically important to the NDP, the suburban ridings that propelled that party into power were overwhelmingly anti-PR. Some of the worst showings in the entire province, places like Delta North, the two Maple Ridges and Surrey Panorama, and only 13 NDP MLAs were able to deliver their, their ridings to a pro-PR majority position. So quite a shellacking for a government policy, perhaps the biggest setback for the NDP since it took power uh, more than a year ago. Uh, political strategist Mike McDonald sketched out some of the reasons why this referendum failed so badly. 
the process was flawed. Um, I think the, the alternative wasn't clearly defined. Um, it wasn't very transparent, uh, certainly compared to the previous process that happened before. The other issue is that I think voters want uh, politicians to focus on the issues that are more germane to their daily lives, and like health care and the economy. And uh, this was a, an academic exercise that really didn't hit the mark for a lot of voters. So the good news for the NDP government is this issue, this debacle, probably won't be on the top of mind uh, for many voters come the next election, as that will likely be a couple of years from now. But the other thing it guarantees, Chris, we're not going to see one of these exercises again uh, for a very, very long time. Political parties, I think, are very uh, somewhat gun-shy now going into a referendum on electoral reform. I agree. All right, thanks very much, Keith. Have a great right. weekend. Right now, an early morning shooting at a popular Richmond mall has RCMP looking for witnesses. Just after 7 o'clock this morning, a man was found with serious gunshot wounds outside the Lansdowne Centre near Number 3 Road. He's in hospital in serious condition. No arrests have been made. Anyone with information on or dash cam footage from the area is asked to contact police as soon as possible. Another delay tonight for an Abbotsford couple hoping to bring their adopted two-year-old son to B.C. from Ghana. They had hoped to be home for Christmas, but some new questions about the adoption itself have stalled the process. We were really hoping and believing that we were going to get good news. Instead, Kimberly is here in Abbotsford, while her husband Clark and their adopted son Io remain in Accra, Ghana, after officials halt the process and raise new questions. The Morans say caught them off guard. They are giving us 60 days to come up with supporting documents, but the reasons that they give that they are not issuing his citizenship right now seem kind of crazy and a little bit irrational. Who's latest twist in this process for the Morans since they first met their Nigerian son in August. Now a government official tells Global News no evidence was provided to Canadian immigration officials showing efforts were made to find the child's biological parents and no police report describing his abandonment was filed with Immigration Canada, something Kimberly says is not true. We have given them all of that information, which all supports that he is, in fact, available for adoption. A government official also says it's investigating an allegation from an unverified source, <laughs> suggesting the child did not come from an orphanage, but was instead taken from a home in Nigeria. Kimberly flat out denies this. I'm not sure where that testimony came from, but that's not what happened at all. Global News has also learned concerns are being raised about Kimberly's health. Kimberly says the fact she has multiple sclerosis was disclosed at the beginning of this process during a thorough home study. On the very first page discloses that I have MS. Kimberly and her husband say the whole experience has been stressful. They began this process over three years ago, but thought they'd be united with their adopted child by now. I actually don't know what happens next if they tell us we can't bring him back to Canada. They're praying this comes to an end soon. Nadia Stewart, Global News. New developments tonight in a sexual assault lawsuit going back decades. 32-year-old Darren Telford is suing the Maple Ridge School District for abuse he says happened in elementary school. As Romina Dea reports, the decision was not the one he was hoping for. And a warning, the graphic content in this story might be disturbing for some viewers. 27 years. That's how long Darren Telford waited for justice. I just feel like I'm just another sexual abuse victim kicked to the curb by the Canadian justice system. 
Telford civil suit against School District 42 has been dismissed by a B.C. Supreme Court judge, a complex case dating back decades. 32-year-old Telford testified Joseph Duff, allegedly a school volunteer, sexually assaulted him multiple times on and off school property starting at the age of five in 1991. Well, I've never been believed since I was a kid, so this is what I'm used to. During the trial, Telford told the court his mother reported the abuse to the school, but nothing was done, an allegation the school district denies, stating it's a difficult case because several key witnesses are dead, including the victim's mother, the alleged perpetrator, and the principal at the time. Justice Voigt ruled there were troubling inconsistencies with the evidence. He said Telford had not established he was sexually abused or assaulted at any time while a student at Glenwood Elementary. The judge said Telford had not established the defendants were negligent or that they breached any fiduciary obligation they owed him. The district not commenting on the case, except to say we are deeply appreciative of the work of current and past staff in helping us retrieve and assemble all available records. Ultimately, Joseph Duff was charged in 1999 with eight sex-related offenses involving three children, but the charges were dropped. Duff entered into a peace bond on two counts involving Telford only. Do you regret coming forward? No, because, you know, if I didn't come forward, the public wouldn't know about this. $35,000 in savings and loans. That's how much it cost Telford to take his case to court. He's now been ordered to pay the school's court costs, which could be in the tens of thousands. Romina Dea, Global News. Take a look at this spectacular crash caught on camera. Police say a BMW driver fell asleep at the wheel and veered off the road, went airborne, smashed into the top of a tunnel, and then dropped back onto the road and flipped several times. The 44-year-old driver tested negative for drugs and alcohol. The video was posted on the Slovak Police Facebook page and has been viewed about 2 million times. Flights are finally getting in and out of Britain's second busiest airport, but not before more chaos caused by drone sightings. Gatwick Airport reopened this morning after a 36-hour shutdown but then had to suspend flights for more than an hour again. The chaos has scrambled the holiday travel plans of tens of thousands of people and raised questions for British officials. Travelers are wondering how safe it is to fly with drones in the air and why the country's police, military and aviation experts can't catch the people responsible. Americans will almost certainly head into the holiday season with parts of their government shut down after negotiations ended today with no agreement over Donald Trump's demands for funding for a border wall. Meantime, concerns are growing around the world that Trump's decision to withdraw American troops from Syria will have serious implications for international security. A national security team in chaos. Congress and the military worrying about the chain of command. Allies stunned after James Mattis's bombshell resignation. We have never seen a Secretary of Defense not only resign and protest, 
but resign with this ringing indictment of the president who appointed him. The fear? Adversaries like Vladimir Putin will seize on the turmoil after the Syria withdrawal. You can expect uh, your adversaries to try and take advantage of that and embarrass you as you're now preparing to pull up stakes and leave. The one thing you can probably count on is they can launch an attack when you're most vulnerable. Mattis's friends say he quit after more than a year of frustrations, both moral and military. The president's contempt for NATO, his response to the white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, his press conference with Putin, and deploying nearly 6,000 troops to the border for a migrant caravan he did not think was a national security threat. At the end of the day, General Jim Mattis, who won every battle for our nation, finally hit a hill he could not conquer, and that was the president of the United States. Finally, the president's momentous decision to withdraw from Syria against the advice of his cabinet after talking to Turkey's President Erdogan. With Mattis now leaving, who will stand up to the president? Critics say the remaining top advisors are mostly yes-men. And who would want the defense job now? Serving a commander-in-chief who, as a candidate, said, I know more than the generals. Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington. In Health Matters tonight, while the holidays are a time for celebration and for families to get together, health care workers say the season also brings an uptick in the number of people in crisis from mental health and addiction issues. So they're reminding everyone help is just a call away. That genuine joy so many feel this time of year can for some be a cause of distress. When your life isn't going well, forcing a smile and pretending it is can be tough. It can really uh, lead to feelings of isolation, uh, depression and anxiety, um, sometimes to the point where people have thoughts about ending their own life, killing themselves. Dr. Ku is involved with the Fraser Health Crisis Line, which has seen a rise in such cases, not just over the holidays, but year-round. We've had double-digit increases in calls to the crisis line over the last number of years. Uh, we hit almost 50,000 calls last year. It could be because society is more aware about mental health, more willing to reach out for help. But it could also be because times have become more challenging. There are more pressures on people and uh, related to economic uncertainty, um, downsizing uh, in the corporate world, uh, social media and those kinds of pressures. So what can you do to help someone who's struggling? For one, let them know that you care and that they're not alone. Even a simple text message, uh, a phone call asking how someone is doing when you know that this might be a challenging time of year can make a big difference. And let them know that there's help. The Fraser Health Crisis Line is one of many that have trained people at the end of the line seven days a week. A list of other crisis lines throughout the province can be found at crisisservicescanada.ca. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. There is massive bits of hail hitting us at the moment. Sydney, Australia, hit by its worst hailstorm in 20 years. Hailstones up to three inches in diameter, about the size of a golf ball, sending people running for cover and causing significant damage to thousands of cars and buildings. The Australian Insurance Bureau says it expects damages to top $120 million Canadian. No serious injuries, thankfully, but a lot of people were left with bumps and bruises. A home security camera captures a close call involving the family dog. How it all ended right after the forecast. Yes, that is a coyote chasing the dog. We'll check in right now with Yvonne, who's filling in for Christy. 
down at Glow in Langley, one of those great holiday events to take in. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Chris. Absolutely. It's a great holiday event, and rain or shine, you can come on down. Um, this is one of the largest indoor Christmas festivals that we have, so we do urge you to check it out, and we'll show you more and talk about the new theme that they have this year in just a moment. But let's get to the forecast first. A much-needed break from the active weather and storm that we saw yesterday. Today was a break in between systems, and it was much needed for many areas. A big cleanup after the damage that we saw yesterday, but we are tracking some instability. Overnight for the early morning hours, there's the potential that we could see some wet snow and that'll be for higher elevations. Through the day tomorrow we've got another wave of moisture that is going to move in and we're looking at rain heavy at times. It's higher elevations that will be seeing that snowfall and most areas it's for the morning hours and then transitioning towards the afternoon. A closer look across the south coast we are going to see very windy conditions and that's going to ramp up towards the afternoon and continue towards the evening. The potential is there by the evening with gusts along the island. Areas near Tawaston could see that gust getting up to 70 kilometers per hour. Wind warning for the following areas in purple, high to Gwai, northern sections of the island, up to 90 kilometers per hour. Eastern sections along the south Sunshine Coast, southeasterly up to 70, and western sections of the island, southeasterly up to 80 kilometers per hour. Tomorrow the snow is going to pick up. The system is going to bring the moisture in, but it'll be afternoon and evening hours along the mountain passes, higher amounts along the Coquihalla, the Kootenai Pass, 5 and up to 10 centimeters, and the Sea to Scott 10 and up to 20 centimeters, 5 and 10 through the day, and then an additional 5 and 10 through the evening hours. Wet and windy along the north coast, especially for areas near Haida Gwai. Inland sections, we're still seeing some flurry activity. Central and southern interior, it's a dry start to the morning. We have a chance of flurries developing towards the afternoon and evening hours, and most areas along the south coast, it'll be two systems that are pushing in for the morning and the afternoon. We've got the winds ramping up through the day tomorrow, and it'll ease off from most areas along the south coast, but that, that'll be approaching the evening hours. So, possible flurries uh, this evening, overnight for the morning hours. Sunday, another wet day. Monday for our Christmas Eve. And then on Tuesday, looks like we'll see some sunny breaks and the potential is there to see some showers on our Christmas day, but that'll be towards the evening. We're at Glow and Langley and Tamara Jensen. She's part of the design team here. Second year for Glow. It's fantastic. A very busy and great family event. What's new this year for people to check out? Well, the beauty of it besides the fact that we have a brand new theme is it's dry and it's warm regardless of the weather outside. So what we did this year is we decided on a theme that's called Glow Around the World and what we're doing is following Santa around as he's dropping off his presents and each of this, uh, the countries that you stop in you got to try and find the passport office. So we go through China, we go through India, France, Holland, Mexico, and I can't even think of the last one. <laughs> so it's a ton of fun. Excellent. Yes. And I've had a few kids come up and ask me, where's the passport <laughs> session? I'm like, you got to find that. Your job. Aside from all the millions of lights and twinkling lights are here, there's other great activities to check out too. Yeah, we have a market. We have food trucks. We, you can walk around with your rum and eggnog if you like. Uh, let me see. We have, um, oh my goodness, there's a mini pot pot. There's on the stage tonight. We have um, mistletoe. It's fantastic. It's just, there's so much for everybody to do. And... You can get the perfect Christmas picture here. All right, we're looking forward to it, and you'll be here until the beginning of January. That's right, exactly. We're hoping, and we just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, and thank you so much for having us. So for now, we'll send it back to you, Chris. All right, Merry Christmas to everybody out in Langley and at Glow, too. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, caught on security camera, a California family's shocking brush with urban wildlife and a dog with courage 
that belies its size. The cameras capture the family's corgi, Harlow, being chased by a coyote. But seconds later, it's kind of like Looney Tunes come to life. The coyote runs in the other direction with Harlow in hot pursuit. That's when the owners decided to rescue Harlow and perhaps the coyote. It took a bit of chasing, but they were finally able to get the feisty corgi back into the house safe and sound. And no sign of the coyote. Kind of funny, though. Tough dogs. Not the See, size of the dog in the fight. That, it's the size of the fight in the dog, that's right? That's what they say. That's why Queen Elizabeth has a lot of corgis. <laughs> that's right. Because they obviously have a coyote problem at Buckingham Palace, and the corgis take care of business. Protecting the queen. <laughs> what is that? It, uh, what is rattling there, over there? There's a camera moving around over oh, there on I a see. big... H frame and okay. it, it's making some weird noises. I thought there was some sort of tectonic plate shift <laughs> just like 10 feet away from us. I'm, I think we're safe. Oh, good, okay. Uh, well, unlike most of us, the power went out for the Vancouver Canucks in November, but it's been on full through most of December. That 5 1 win over St. Louis last night brought Vancouver back to 500, and despite that horrible stretch of losing 12 of 13, they are back in the playoff race. Just one point behind Edmonton for the final wild card spot, although the Oilers do have games in hand. Now, we kind of asked this question earlier in the week. Why have the Canucks suddenly turned it around? And we said earlier this week, and the answer is the same, the biggest reason is goaltender Jacob Markstrom. You can have great young players scoring goals like Pedersen and Horvat and Besser, but if your goalie is bad... You won't win very much, and right now the goalie is good. He has a personal best six-game win streak going, made 15 saves in the first period last night, which basically, that's when the St. Louis Blues had most of their energy. His play allowed the Canucks to get back in the game, get their timing offensively and win, and as we mentioned, his save percentage has completely changed this month. 9.42 in November, it was a dreadful 8.87. Tomorrow they have to be even better because Winnipeg is in town. Uh, Sabres and Capitals tonight. Two on the season. A light night around. Nice pass here on the uh, short-handed effort. Nick Dowd, yes, Nick Dowd to Chandler Stevenson. Scores. Chandler. Want to see Braden Holtby do something cool? Watch this. Does he come out or doesn't he? Watch out, Ristolainen in the clear. He comes out. That's one. That's two. And he makes another save there and forces the puck over the glass because he was way out by that point, but does not give up the Stanley Cup champion. Now, good goaltending at one end. Other end, not so good. Carter Hutton loses the puck behind the net. Tom Wilson gets the freebie. Kuznetsov in front. That proved to be the winner. 2-1 Washington over Buffalo. Okay. So between last night's Canucks game and tomorrow's Canucks game, Rogers Arena will go from ice to floor for the first ever home game of the Vancouver Warriors, who of course are the old Vancouver Stealth. They had that huge comeback winning their first regular season game in Calgary last week, winning in overtime. It is a completely different looking team from what we saw last year with the Vancouver Stealth out in Langley. And we just don't mean different in name and uniform. They're different altogether, and they're playing Calgary again tonight. It's been 14 years since an NLL lacrosse team played games out of Rogers Arena, but that's where the Warriors will come out to play. Just nine players returned from the Vancouver Stealth roster that won a league-low two games last season. It's essentially a new team with new colors and a new outlook. 
I think coming downtown and obviously a great ownership group is going to help us a lot. I mean, we've been treated so well and professionally since we've got here. So that's definitely uh, encouraging for players that maybe are coming up to free agency or are looking to come closer to home. Spears has numbers. Beers into the zone. Takes the shot. He scores. Matt Beers, the captain of the Warriors, ends it. Beers was the hero in the Warriors' season opener last week in Calgary when they overcame a five-goal fourth-quarter deficit and then won in overtime. Fighting back and winning in that fashion on the road is the identity the Warriors want to establish. It shows everybody else, you know, what we already knew in that locker room, that, that we've got a bunch of hardworking guys that, that aren't going to quit regardless of what the score is. You know, if we're up six or we're down six, we're going to play the same type of lacrosse. Yeah, we wanted a gritty team. We wanted guys that were hungry. Um, guys that were going to be committed to each other. Honestly, guys that uh, the other team says we don't want to play against them. They're, they're, they're a piece of work or they're, they're nasty and that's what we want to be. The Warriors sense a real opportunity to have success in this market where incredibly NLL teams have failed miserably in the past. In the five years in Langley, the Stealth won just 25 of 90 games and made the playoffs just once. We've been saying we're not looking in the rearview mirror, we're looking forward. Um, it's about today and tomorrow and, and, and getting better. So for us, that's, that's just white noise and, and, and we're not even thinking about that. So we want to show everybody what we're about. We're going to be a hardworking team and uh, be competitive every night. Team promises. Okay, this is Premier League action. First place Liverpool against Wolverhampton. Mo Salah. Keeps it for Mane. And Fabinho and Salah. Oh, that's cheeky. One nothing for Liverpool. 15 wins, three draws, no defeats this year. Second half, Salah, Virgil van Dyke. 2-0. They lead Man City atop the table by four points, Liverpool does. There you go. Amazing footwork. Here's today's snow report. Some fresh snow has fallen over the last 24 hours on all mountains. Whistler Blackcomb, a base of 220 centimeters, 120 grouse. Cypress, 140. Sasquatch, 146. Revelstoke, a base of 186 centimeters, 163 Fernie, 140 Manning Park, and Whitewater, 169. Big White's base at 127 centimeters, Silver Star, 147, and 120 at Sun Peaks. Kicking Horse Base, 162 with 31 new, Mount Washington 124, and Powder King, a base of 170. All right, Squires here. It's just the two of us. Yeah, no one wanted to hang out with us tonight. Sophie's off, right, Yvonne's there. down at Glow. So, um, do you know when Home Alone was made, the movie? Don't make me feel old. 1990. Wow. 1990. And trivia question, or trivia note, in Home Alone 2, you know who made a guest appearance? Donald Trump. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so Macaulay Culkin got called by the people at Google. They recreated the sets as best they could, and they're doing Home Alone again. Mom? Dad? Hey, Google, what's on my calendar today? You have one event called House to Yourself. Hey Google, add aftershave to my shopping list. Hey Google, remind me to clean these sheets later. Okay, I'll remind you. Too bad AC. Someone's in the front door. What do I owe you? Looks like you paid online. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Okay, cool. Hey Google, turn down the temperature two degrees. Hey Google. Begin Operation Kevin. Operation Kevin underway. 
better get out of here before somebody sees us. That's a good point. Do you think Pesci got, he would have been paid for using well, his sure. voice. Well, you would think, although maybe the movie, maybe he signed off those rights. That may be true. Okay, um, Santa Claus, The Grinch, Godzilla, three of my favorite Christmas characters. Here's Godzilla. How do you Godzilla is actually pretty cool. Except when he's hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Okay. He doesn't want to hang out with a Godzilla. No. All right. Last but not least, uh, this sort of uh, Christmas holiday musical put together by the folks at Olay, who help us all make look, mm. I guess they help our face and things like that. <laughs> help our I don't think I can handle another family interrogation. Should we just lie and pretend we have boyfriends again? Yeah. Nope. This year, I have the perfect plan of attack for whatever questions I ask. Have you heard about Ole Miss? Yes, I have a glow, but it's not from a baby. As far as I know, see, it works like this. Hydrating mist for you. Makes your skin less dry. I bet the turkey could use some too. Hey, Uncle Jack. Steph, there's my pretty little college graduate. Just spill a diva. Have you snagged a man yet? Or are you still single and alone? Have you heard about an old lame mask? This'll do the trick. Thriving and amazing as a single stick. It'll clean your pores. My God, exfoliate. Makes your skin less dull, so even you could get a date. Was that shade? How sweet. I have a boyfriend. Yeah, his name is David. Courtney! I heard you're working two restaurant jobs and you babysit? <laughs> Out. You must be tired. Oh, it's not so bad. Looks like grad school's really taking a toll on you, cuz. Have you heard about Ole Ice? Brightening cream makes you look more awake than you seem. Well, that's good news, cuz you look tired, boo. You know that ain't true. You're right. Your skin looks amazing. For you. Thanks. Have you heard about Olay Whip soothing on the skin? Satisfying cream for whatever mood you're in. And it's lightweight, smooth and fragrance free. And I'm hoping this amazing product will distract you from asking about the babies. <laughs> there you go. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. And, and your skin is glowing. And so is yours. <laughs> All right, let's check in one last time with Yvonne. For check of the weekend weather. See, her skin is going much Look better it. than ours. It's yes. amazing. Um, <laughs> as we head into Christmas next week.
Yeah, so it is going to be very wet and windy. Be prepared for tomorrow. We've got the wind warnings that are in effect. Those are for a few spots across the island, and that's going to kick up for the morning and afternoon. Metro Vancouver, we're looking at 20 and up to 30 millimeters of rainfall, and then it should ease off a dry one for our Christmas day. Guys? All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Merry Christmas to you. Big shout-out to the BC Hydro crews who are working overtime getting the lights back on. Merry Christmas from our family to yours. Have a great weekend.